everybody. Hello again and welcome back to another episode of the Watch Report with me, John Lookport. Make some noise. Clap it up, get excited. Wherever you are, we are back again with another jam-packed episode for you. If you weren't listening today on today's show, we got so much to cover in the world of sports, swimming in the combat and boxing work as ooh we come on who's wins and defends what the weight title and all oh, the big news of the day fury and Usyk is off to all of our dismay as well as a bunch of other stuff we're going to cover in the world of sports we're going to talk about that right here right now with you if you are listening just like i said and, I, and I, just like i always say please leave a like on the video comment your thoughts on your opinion subscribe to the channel and share the channel with everybody that you know so we can build up this empire together. Oh, yeah, we're moving on up. We're at 333. Uh, the goal is 400. Uh, uh, next, or excuse me, the goal is 350. Then after that, 400. After that, 450. I think increments of 50. But hey, we can shoot. We can blow it up to 1,000. I'll be happy with that too. <laughs> and, but thank you so much for the support on this channel. And as we keep on growing, I'm going to keep doing better and better, trying to do better and better for you, the viewer and listeners. So, all that out the way, oh boy, we, let, let's get it started right now. It's a boxing episode, you know what that means, it's time, or combat sports, it's a fighting episode, point blank. So that means it's time to step into the ring. Yes, sir. Ring the bell, let's get it started. Round one of this episode going underway, and with the first round of the day. Briskly, we're going to talk about the Leon Edwards defeat, or rather, Leon Edwards defeating Kamar Usman in their trilogy fight for the welterweight title in the UFC. And it went nowhere close to what I thought was going to happen, as opposed to the first two fights with Usman and Edwards. Usman had dominated throughout. The entirety, like I said in the, in the past, first fight, unanimous decision. Second fight would have gone to a unanimous decision, if not for headshot, bang, the head kick heard around the combat sports world from Leon Edwards, what he's now known for. Rocky living up to his name, prying victory out of the jaws of defeat. I didn't think it was going to happen again this time, though. I thought Usman was going to be prepared. I thought Usman was going to go back to his dominant ways, and that did not happen at all. And Leon Edwards did exactly what he needed to do to win. This man landed 74% of his strikes throughout the entirety of the fight. Led kicks and kicks to the body. On the feet, he was phenomenal. Kept the fight at the, or, or did his job, keeping the fight in the middle of the cage on the feet, as well as, which is very important, defended the takedowns. Only held Kamar Usman to four of 15 takedown attempts, or four successful takedown attempts out of 15, 26% for one of the best grapplers in the division, one of the best all-around fighters in the division in Kamar Usman, and really nullified his ability to do anything in this fight. It was a complete Turnaround from what I thought was going to happen with this fight. Now, again, it was still a close fight. You're not going to just whitewash and blow up Kamar Usman, blow him out the water. No, 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 no. That's not going to happen with a fighter of this caliber. But what did happen is the fact that he nullified Usman's game enough and adapted from the first two dominations that were sent his way by Kamar Usman and really evolved into what I hoped he would evolve into, which is a champion, a real champion, somebody who's able to now, you're not the, you are the hunted, but you're still trying to hunt. 
If you get what I'm saying. You talk, you got to talk on your back. But now you're looking to shoot as well. Instead of just trying to avoid and dodge bullets. And, and Edwards, now with this incredible win, has solidified himself as more than just a one-hit wonder. We know he's a striker. We know he's one of the best strikers in the division. We know stand-up game is phenomenal. Key was, though, now that you're a champion, you got to bring more to the table than just a one-trick um, success point to your game. You have to be able to adapt. Now that you got a legitimate target on your back and everybody's going to be hungry for you, can you keep that same hunger? And he did it. He came into this fight, looked better than I've ever seen him physically, and evolved as the fight went on. Specifically, specifically excuse me, from the first two fights, he went and actually was able to keep the fight on the feet and defend the takedowns. That's one of the most important things because if he couldn't, I said he didn't have a shot at one in this fight. But he did. He did. One against an opponent who, that was his weakest link. He actively changed, went to the gym, came back, and performed like somebody who's on top of the mountain. He was able to fend off, like I said in the past, he was able to fend off the climbers trying to rip him from his peak. Didn't let the moment and the pressure of being champion dissuade him from actually doing what he knows he can do. Get from stepping away from his game plan or diminishing his game plan because he felt that the lights were too bright. Didn't do that at all. Felt like he belonged, looked like he belonged, and went and did what I thought wasn't going to happen. He went and won outright. And he did it in a flawless effort. Well, excuse me, not flawless effort, but he did it to where, oh, okay, it's his time now. Now I'm not just looking at him and saying, oh, you know, he, he got, quote-unquote, lucky with a good kick. Nah. Yes, he was dominated and pulled success out of the fire. But now, this is a different Leon Edwards. Now this is a different Leon. Now this is an Edwards who can hold his head up high and call himself, yeah, I'm the true champion. Yeah, I'm everything that y'all said about me. Bump all that noise. I'm here. This is me. And now, come get the title if you want it. And he, he, he elevated his game the way a champion needs to. He elevated his game above what, what I thought was going to be possible for him. And on the flip side with Usman, Usman, as much as Leon Edwards won the fight and did everything he was supposed to do, stayed at distance. Countered with knees to the head whenever whenever Usman would try to come and clinch and grapple, defend the takedowns well, did all of that. Usman, on the other hand, as much as Edwards won the fight, Usman lost the fight himself because he lost the fervor, or rather he lost the disrespect that he had for Leon Edwards. In the first two fights, Usman didn't respect Leon Edwards and his ability, both to strike or to grapple. And he went and dominated. That's what he did. Usman went and dominated because he didn't have respect for Leon Edwards' game in both the first and second fight. Once he got knocked out, though, like I said in my preview of this whole affair, would that leg kick 
and with that headshot, get to Usman and cause him not to be what we know Usman can be. Because like I said, if he goes and commits, he can end this in three rounds. That was my prediction. But he didn't seem as gung-ho with forcing the issue. He didn't seem as gung-ho with constantly pushing the envelope and get to the position that he wants to get into. Unlike the first two fights. Didn't seem as confident. Didn't seem like the Usman that we know can beat anybody and everybody. Now, Usman respects Edwards. And because of that respect, now he's hesitant. Now he's not fully committed. Now he's not able to fully utilize his grappling ability to, to, to the fullest extent, not just because of Leon Edwards' ability to defend it, which he gained over Kemp, which again was phenomenal, but because of the fact that he now is afraid of what's going to happen if he does leave an opening, like if he left, if he left an opening to get kicked again. Or like if he left, leaves an opening to get grappled again. Or excuse me, to get head kicked again. Or counter coming on the inside. It's a bunch of things that could go wrong. But that wasn't in the forefront of Usman's mind in the first two fights. Now, however, after the knockout, it changed his mentality just enough. To where now he's not as dedicated to saying, I'm going to do what I want to do and you can't stop it anymore. He still may have confidence in his ability, yes, but now he's got too much confidence in Edwards' ability that it, it, it to a degree, suffocated his own enthusiasm to commit to the game plan that he wants to do. He respected Edwards too much, and because of that, it allowed for not only his takedown game not to be as effective, but it allowed for... Edwards to do what he wanted to do, which was stay at distance and stay in the middle of the ring. Caused Usman to be hesitant, both on the feet and coming in, which allowed for Edwards to do exactly what he wanted to do. Kicks to the leg, kicks to the body, and just enough hesitation that when you go and come in, you try to clinch up, okay, now I can counter you with the knee. And get you back at distance. Because he wobbled him with the knees a couple times. He was catching him with them leg kicks and body kicks too. Everything he did was keeping Usman honest. And was legitimately affecting him. So now when, when round four, round five come around. Pivotal rounds and shoot. In round five. Essentially a must win. Now Usman's got to come in more recklessly than ever. After being wobbled a couple times with knees, after being caught with striking throughout the entirety of the fight, now you got a force issue that you can't implement anymore. And now we're here and still with Leon Edwards. So props to Leon Edwards for winning, doing what he needed to do, evolving into the champion that he needed to be, not letting the pressure get too much for him, not letting the moment be too big for him. And Usman now, the question becomes, well, he'll get back. Trust and believe, he'll be back in the title scene. However, 
has his window passed for him to be able to successfully do what he wants to do then. Because again, he's 35 years old. He is. But as much dedication, drive, and hunger that we know Usman has, dedication to the sport, we get all that. Despite the however, now age becomes a legitimate factor. Because he might have to go back and fight whoever. Whoever could go back and fight Kobe Covington if Kobe Covington doesn't fight for the title. He could, he, he could, there's, there's so many people that we may have to see Usman go through to get back into contention who are in their prime, who are contenders. And yes, he's beat about everybody in the, in the division. Yes. But it doesn't change the fact that even with that being the case, now that he's getting older, now that he's got more wear and tear on his body, and now that he's not champion, now he's got to fight with fervor and hunger against other people with that same fervor and hunger, but with youth more on their side, coupled with, again, Usman's knees aren't what they used to be. That's been a, that's been a concern with Usman. For a number of years in this career, you can go back and watch Joe Rogan on his podcast when he talks about Usman and his knees. They're bad. They're not great. He's been doing a lot of this work, a lot of this dominant work with upper body alone, which is incredible. But that type of wear and tear, coupled with age, coupled with now, oh, there's a strategy, there's a strategy to beat you. We, it, I'm, it's going to be harder, harder to see him climb back up. I'm not saying it can't happen, but now we have to start asking questions. Even with as great as Usman is, can he get back to the mountaintop? Or has his time come and gone? Somebody, forget who, but somebody said it best. It's not your time, it's just your turn. That very well could be the case with Usman. Now his turn is gone. Maybe it's time for somebody else to take the reins. Again, right now it's Leon Edwards' time. But and but has Usman's time passed him by? Because when he was at his best, one of the most dominant champions we've ever seen. Now, however, with two back-to-back losses, one being seen as, oh, just a happenstance of just a perfectly placed kick, and another one, the second one, being a legitimate implemented game plan that actually, for the majority of the fight, had success and legitimately beat him. What? Other people are going to be privy to that. And because of that, we may not see that same Usman anymore. Not just because other people have game plans, but also because of the fact that he himself may not be able to perform to the level that we know or that we were normally used to. And his time may be winding up and his window may be closing quicker than we all expect to get back to the mountaintop of being a champion. But we'll have to wait and see. But props props to Edwards on his win. Props to Usman on his incredible career up until this point we hope he gets back we know he has the potential just a matter of will he actually be able to execute against his young crop of talent we just have to wait and see to to essentially 
gauge whether or not that'll be the case. But, oh, I can't wait for it as this ever-evolving chapter unfolds. It's exciting nonetheless. But now it's time for round two of this combat sports affair. And, ooh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. It happened. Ooh, it was, we were on the cusp of one of an undisputed heavyweight champion. And now Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk is no more per yesterday and today. No more. The undisputed heavyweight championship of the world is no longer on the line because Usyk and Fury are no longer fighting in reasons that can only be seen as absolutely insane and stupid. That's what we have to look at it. And there's no real way to sugarcoat it. Tyson Fury is the reason why we don't have an undisputed championship fight in the heavyweight division. The first heavyweight cha- the first undisputed heavyweight champion since what 20 years ago since Lennox Lewis. Tyson Fury is the reason why we don't have that. He is the sole reason why we don't have an undisputed champ right now. And the only thing we can say from this is the fact that Fury is ducking Usyk. And you know, and you know I don't say that lightly. I don't say somebody's ducking somebody lightly. Never do. Never do. Normally I blame the promoters for not putting, put, pinning somebody against somebody else. Excuse me, pitting somebody against somebody else. Normally it's on the promoters then. Not giving us the fights that we want to see. Because they want to protect their fighter. Absolutely. But in this case scenario. Oh no. Fury is ducking Usyk. And it's robbing us the fans. Of one of the biggest fights of this generation. One of the biggest fights that will put boxing back where it can be. Which is one of the premier sports in the world. We had the recipe right here. We had it all. Had it all. Ryan Garcia fighting Tank Davis. Caleb Plant and David Benavidez. Canelo trying to fight again after his defense of his championship. Going back to move up to fight B-Ball again, who now has recognition himself. Also, better be versus B-Ball on the cusp potentially happening. All of this, all of these fights were happening and happening now. And by the way, no, anyway, it's Stephen Fulton. They were fighting this year, too. Or are. Granted, I'm going to talk about that. Postponed because of injury. I'm going to talk about that. As well, no, anyway, has an injury. Has postponed the fight. It's not canceled. Postponed for later on this summer. I'm going to talk about that as well on the show. But we had the lineup right here set and ready. The best of the best fighting each other at various weight classes. Culminating with the two biggest fights of the year in Usyk and Fury and Ryan Garcia and Tank Davis. Those were the two mega ones. So we were waiting on, just waiting on. And it was slated in April. It was going to happen for Usyk and Fury. And now called off. Called off. And it's so frustrating because it's Fury's fault. Why do I say it's Fury's fault? Well, let's go back through some history and relive the days of what was going on. Tyson Fury went and fought Derek Chisora, beat him up, 
knocked him out, but beat him up, got the fight stopped. Hoo, 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 whatever. We knew that was going to be a whitewash, just giving his good friend a solid payday. Absolutely. Don't, don't get it twisted. Did his buddy good justice? They put on an entertaining affair, but a dominant affair because Fury was just manhandling Chazor. Finally, the fight got stopped in what, the 10th, about what, 10th round? Boom. Calls out Usyk once it goes. Calls out Usyk, calls out Joe Joyce as well. Both at the ring at the same time. But Usyk is the main attraction. Cuts a promo on him. Gets everybody excited. Then boom. Talks ensue. And then from the talking ensuing. Oh boy. You want to talk about mess. It was just a bunch of mess on Tyson Fury's side. Tyson Fury then. They want to fight. Okay boom. A side B side. Seemingly it's a very fairly close affair. While yes. Fury has to start him. Usyk. Now he's gained his own stardom because he just beat one of the other prides and joy of Britain, Anthony Joshua, twice for the Unified Heavyweight Championship. The majority belts beat him twice, once in dominant fashion, the second in dominant fashion, but in a more entertaining way because Joshua upped his game. But still, he lost. Still, he lost by majority or unanimous decision in both affairs. Usyk beat Joshua twice. Now has his own acclaim. Now has his own clout. Now has been solidified as one of the best heavyweights in the world. Many people now argue him as number one. And when when Tyson Fury was seen as the undisputed number one champion. Or excuse me, undisputed number one heavyweight. Not champion. Only got one belt. But in terms of rankings in the heavyweight division, Fury was seen as the undisputed guy. After he had knocked out Wilder twice. Seeing as nobody else in, in, in the division can take him. Not Joyce, even though that would be exciting. Joyce couldn't take him. Chisora, nah. Dillian White, he beat. And we all knew he was going to beat. Nobody else in the division that, that was seen as a contender. Not even Anthony Joshua. Nobody else in the division seen as on the level. Of Fury outside of Usyk. And then Usyk goes and beats Joshua, solidifying his credibility. Mind you, Joshua went, got swole, and was going in there to knock him out. And now and he and while Usyk got hurt. He still took the punch and then retaliated of his own, showing he can take heavyweight power. And Joshua will say what you want about him is one of the most devastating punchers in the heavyweight division today. That's the truth. Yeah, he might not have a great chin at all, but in terms of his ability to deliver a punch, he's up there. He is up there. And because of that, Usyk solidified his position in the heavyweight division. Winning and defending the unified heavyweight championship. Now upset him in a position where he was, it was a close A or B side. You had an argument for each. Fury with the cachet and notoriety. Usyk with the belts and who he beat in his very short heavyweight tenure. And then... Chaos ensues 
Because now Fury goes out and says he wants, was it 90-10, something like that. Many people saw it as a 50-50 split. I saw it as a 50-50 split for the first fight. Nah. Tyson Fury goes out and says, no, I want it 70-30. 70 for me, 30 for you. Just for the fight. Regardless of the result, 70 for me, 30 for you. I'm the A-side. Boom. Usyk accepts in a lopsided and surprising deal. Usyk went and said, okay, well, let's do it. No, no qualms about it. Usyk went and said, let's do it, accepted the terms. Which was severely underpaying him and severely not in his favor. Accepted the terms. No questions asked. All he said was, give a million dollars to Ukraine. Of the money that we're going to make for this undisputed fight, give a million dollars to Ukraine. Only a million. Relative to what they're going to make in total, or would have made in total together, that's just a million dollars to Ukraine for the war effort. That's it. Fight seems on. April 29th, everything's going great. Everything's going fine. Next thing you know, Fury makes another demand. No rematch clause. This is a one-and-done affair. This is a one-and-done affair. That's what he wants. No rematch. Let's put all the chips on the table. We put out in a, in a Twitter post. Twitter video. Usyk accepts. Okay. No rematch clause. Let's go. Everything seems like it's in order. Then, then, rematch clause actually gets agreed upon. Okay. And guess what? Now, Surely you would think it's whoever's the winner gets the bulk of the deal from the first fight into the second fight. But oh no, Fury then demands 70-30 again for the second fight if he loses. From my understanding, if he loses 70-30 or at worst 50-50 split regardless of the result of the first fight. Which shouldn't be the case. Should not be the case at all. That's just stupid. That's illogical. That's absolutely egregious to have that as terms. That's idiotic. But Tyson Fury, that's what he was asking for. It was either a 70-30 split for the rematch, irregardless of the result of the first fight, or a 50-50 split, irregardless of the result of the first fight. When, if anything, the first fight should be 50-50, second fight should be whoever is the champ going into that second rematch, that's who gets the bulk of the money. Because now you are wholeheartedly the A-side. There is no dispute now because you beat whoever you were going up against. Either Fury beat Usyk or Usyk beats Fury. And with that, now you are the undisputed heavyweight champion. You have all the chips. There's no situation with, with like with Ryan Garcia and Javante Tank Davis, no situation where, oh, y'all are just bigger than the belts. No, even though that's just illogical in the first place. When Devin Haney is the undisputed champion, y'all should be vying for him. But there's no situation where some people say the best in the division isn't actually the champ. Nobody else on the landscape that is on you all's level. You all are it. And that's it. Whoever wins is it. Is the man. Is the baddest brother on the planet. Point blank period. 
That's the truth. When you're undisputed champion, you are the baddest man on the planet. And when you're undisputed heavyweight champion, you are the baddest man on the planet. That's understood. And this is with was it WBA, WBO, WBC, IBF, and Lineal. This is literally every single relevant belt is on the line. Whoever takes this is it, point blank. There is no other conversation. That's who the A-side is after that fight. But leading into this fight, no, it should have been a 50-50 split. And because of all this, Usyk kept on agreeing, kept on agreeing, kept on agreeing. Fury kept on making more demands, kept on making more demands, kept on making more demands. And it just kept, got to a point where it's just, this just, it's just not possible. There's no way we can make this fight. And Usyk in his camp confirmed it's, that it's nothing. That it's, that it's no, it's, it's no more. Fights no more. Tyson Fury goes out and goes on his rant on Twitter, I believe a couple of hours ago, talking about this whole thing. Going through, calling him names, calling his other stuff, this, that, and the third. Don't matter. Because we as boxing fans now see that Usyk was the one that was making this fight happen. Usyk, in spite of your ridiculous demands, Usyk agreed to everything that Fury wanted. Everything that Fury wanted. Except when it became too much. When it just became stupid. Like with this rematch clause. It was just stupid. Absolutely stupid. And now the only thing we can say about this is that Fury looks like he's ducking Usyk. Some people may speculate that he's only fighting people that he knows he can beat. Wow, the reason why he rematched him three times is because he knows he can beat him. First in lieu of getting a championship, then after that, dominating him, then, then again, fighting in one of the greatest heavyweight fights I've ever seen and objectively one of the greatest heavyweight fights in history beat him again then goes on to fight Dillian White who we know he was going to beat then goes on to fight Derek Chisora who we know he was going to beat because he already beat him two other times earlier in his career and Chisora is a great puncher but at the championship level no he's not there Hometown hero, absolutely. Known throughout the land in London and England and over in Europe, absolutely. Cult hero, no problem with that at all. But as a contender, we know where he stands in terms of contending for a championship. He's not there anymore. He's not, he, no. No. Especially not for somebody like Tyson Fury. You gonna fight him again? And now you're looking at other avenues when nobody else in the division is up to your caliber. And the, the one guy that you that, that is up to your level, that you say that you want or that you say you will dominate and destroy, now you're putting all these ridiculous roadblocks in front of him in terms of negotiating deals. And then when he agrees, you then still make, you, you then still go out of your way and make it hard? After everything else was agreed upon, you try to tack on more stupid stuff? He called your bluff. Usyk called Fury's bluff. Usyk showed what Fury was trying to do in this fight by accepting 
terms that were not in his favor because Usyk is going after legacy. Usyk is trying to make himself known as the best of the best. Point blank, period. Money will come. That's how he's saying. That's how he's thinking. Money will come. But I got to win the fights before I get the money. No qualms. That's what you want. That's what you want. Okay, fine. I just want to get in the ring and beat you. Because say what you want about who's the bigger star. If Usyk beats Fury, Fury has no negotiating power. Point blank. Fury wouldn't, won't have any negotiating power. for the, like, like, let's say they went and did this one and done thing. The world would Fury have? What the world would Fury have if they didn't do a rematch clause? Nothing. Because there would be nothing else that he would be able to do to throw his weight around. Essentially, Fury is trying to baby, son, or little boy, Usyk, calling him all these names, doing all this stuff, trying to make it seem like he's the only one that's in control. Trying to make it seem like he's the only guy that has anything to do with anything. Trying to make it seem like he's the man that's in control of everything. Usyk doesn't have a player to work with. And that's simply not the case. And we see that. We as boxing fans see that. You as boxing fans see that. Again, I don't throw around the word ducking lightly. But this is an egregious attempt at trying to get out of a fight. Because I don't know what else to call it. Because you would have made millions. You talking about how Usyk can't sell, if you're Fury, talking about how Usyk can't sell out arenas. But for regardless of that, even though he can, and he did a bunch of numbers with Anthony Joshua and beat Anthony Joshua. Hence, Joshua's clout went and transferred somewhat to Usyk as well because now he's known. Beat somebody that is beloved. Beat somebody that is respected. Beat somebody that already has the cachet in the ear and the heart of the entire Europe nation, or at least Britain at minimum. And in some cases, he might have stole some of his shine because of the fact that what happened after the fight in their second rematch when Joshua got in the mic and essentially went on some weird rant slash help um, speech, some odd promo that made no sense all because he was mad that he lost again. People, some, a lot of people turned off to Joshua after that display and turned on to Usyk and started rooting for him. So he's, now he's got everything that you say he doesn't have. And if we're an undisputed fight, both of y'all would make so much bank if you complained about how he can't sell anything. That's just an absolute bold-faced lie. And you're holding it at Wembley Stadium as well? The Mecca for England, Britain, and, and European anything? Not in Saudi Arabia, like many people complain about. In Wembley Stadium, in Fury's hometown country, for a shot at seeing something that the only the last time we saw an undisputed champion was another British great and one of the greatest of all time in Lennox Lewis 20 plus years ago. Oh, you can't tell me that wouldn't sell. You can't tell me that that, that, that that's enough backstory and that's enough theater and that's enough potential for so much stuff to happen 
and for so much money to be made. If you want to say money is the reason. And he's not a draw. So I don't know what else to say except for Usyk has been working to make this fight happen consistently every single time. And Fury right now isn't doing the lick. Fury is the one holding this. Fury is the one that's messing up this entirety of the plan. And Fury is the one that looks bad. Fury is the one that is ducking a fighter who can beat him. Regardless of how he wants to call him a middleweight or otherwise. Doesn't matter. Usyk can beat Fury. I picked Usyk to beat Fury. Because look at what happened in the past when, when Fury has fought shorter, faster fighters. Knocked down early on. Early on in his career by overhand right by a fighter shorter than him who only weighed like 210. Then, oh, lest we forget, Waleen cut him. Oh, lest we forget, Deontay Wilder, skinny as all get out, knocked him down, nearly knocked him out. And if nothing else, not because of his technique, but because of his speed, coupled with his power, he was able to actually catch him before he could get out the way. Again, second fight, third fight, whatever you want to say, he was getting caught. Excuse me, not second fight, third fight, excuse me. Still smaller than Fury. And was able to knock him out, or knock him down, excuse me, twice. And he's shorter. We've seen this story before. It's possible. And with Usyk, he's got all the intangibles and the actual skill. And speed and mobility. To make life tough for Fury. So why is it that now Fury, even though he says he can beat him, is doing all these plot, these bumps in the road and making negotiations so hard to the point that now they just break down fully. Now Uzik's set to fight with Daniel Dubois, which we know he's going to win, most, dominate most likely. Dubois had, had a tough time with Joe Joyce, and Joe Joyce wasn't doing nothing but throwing a jab. That was it. And Dubois had to, had to stop the fight. Because I got too bad. Only with a jab was Joe Joyce as respectable as I know he is. And, and again, as much as I see somewhat of George Foreman in him in terms of how he attacks. With only a jab, he was able to, to stop that fight. Consistent work. No mobility. No movement. No head movement. No nothing like that. So Usyk's going to destroy Daniel Dubois. Despite Daniel Dubois' power. No, it doesn't matter. Because if Usyk can take Anthony Joshua, he can take Dubois' best punch. And now we're going to see Fury fight somebody who's nowhere near the level. It's going to be, again, this is a duck job by Fury. Don't know what else to call it. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely insane. It's utterly deplorable that you want to talk like you are the baddest man in the world. Yet, when it comes time to prove it, now you're not doing it. We got to hold you accountable for that. Have to hold you accountable for that. There's nothing else we can say. 
except for you are ducking one of your stiffest comp competition. And you are looking bad. You want to call yourself one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. Usyk is showing that he's actively about that life and trying to get there by agreeing to everything that you have capitulated or tried to make him capitulate you. Then, when it's your turn to say, okay, cool, let's get it on, you keep doing this and making excuses, making ridiculous demands, but you want to be called one of the greatest heavyweights of all time? That requires you to take on tough challenges. Both on your rise to championship aspirations and when you are champion. And Fury, you're not doing that right now. You are hurting yourself. You need this fight for your legacy to cement where you think you are. You need this to cement how great you think you are and how great other people say that you are. Because we can look at this and say, oh, he beat Wilder. Well, I've been saying that Wilder doesn't have any great technique at all. He's just all-time power. But no horrible technique. Horrible. One of the most dangerous but easily defeatable fighters. Doesn't make him any less great, but we also, that's the context. If you want to be called one of the greatest ever, you got to take on somebody that has everything. You got to take on, on somebody that has everything. Every single legitimate challenger. Not just one challenger that you're able to beat three times. If you, want to be, if you beat Wilder, phenomenal. You beat him twice. Great. Never faced Anthony Joshua when he was at his peak. Now you never face Usyk while he's at his peak. So the other, the, the other two people that you can beat and clean out the entire division to solidify that status of where you think you are, you're not even facing. So what the word am I supposed to say to that? Except for... You are running away. And because you're running away, there's some level of not only disappointment, but now we got to roll back what we're saying about you to an extent. Now your ceiling is starting to form in terms of where you'll be ranked all time as a heavyweight. You're great. Don't get me wrong. You are great. I'm not diminishing your greatness. I'm saying... You are hindering your ability to actively improve. And you are making your ceiling lower and lower and lower with taking these fights that are not really hotly contested and avoiding fighters who we know can give you a legitimate challenge and are calling you out. And, like in Usa's case, are capitulating to everything that you want to happen. The only thing we can say for that is Maybe he's not, maybe he's avoiding, and maybe he's running from somebody that can actually take him out. Maybe. And maybe his greatness is only here, instead of up here, like we see it can go, or like we see what it can reach. Maybe it's only going to reach here, instead of up here. You've done the work. Yes. 
can't diminish what you've done, but we can't elevate you either. Because it's hard for somebody to say, oh, I'm too big, too strong for any heavyweight in history. I'll beat anybody and everybody. But when somebody of the stature of the heavyweights of the past, that has the skill sets of the heavyweights of the past, that shows that they're on your level, if not better, comes along, and then you still choose not to accept that fight and prove and back up everything that you said that you were and are as a heavyweight great. Maybe you were just blowing smoke. Because right now, it's not looking good. It's really not looking good. And I hate the fact that we were so close to an incredible event. A historical event. So close to having that in our possession, in our grasp. Having the opportunity to see an undisputed heavyweight championship crowned. And now it gets robbed from us all because one guy maybe isn't as confident that he can beat another guy as much as he's talked. All because Fury, for all the game that he's been saying, his actions have shown he may actually be afraid. I don't use that lightly. I don't use that lightly. Rare for me to say anybody's scared of anybody. It's rare for me to say anybody's ducking or running away from anybody. But this is the only conclusion I can make for the conclave of events or the avalanche of events that transpired when from their initial promo in the ring together up until now. That's the only thing I can say. He's ducking Usyk. And shame on you for doing it. You are hurting yourself. You are robbing your own legacy. You are robbing your... And if you are if you want more money and you don't think Usyk's going to be as big of a draw as you are, okay, fine. You're entitled to your own opinion. And yes, as a personality and as a draw, yes, sure, you are bigger because you're more well-known. But because of the fact that you were able to draw millions with Derek Chisora, who we knew was going to lose, and it wasn't even exciting, if you're able to draw millions with Dillian White, who we knew was going to lose, then you can't tell me that with, a, with an opponent that you can potentially, that you, Fury, can potentially lose to, that's on your caliber, wouldn't draw who knows how much. Records could have potentially be broken for this fight. Records could potentially have been broken for this fight. But you ran. And because you ran, the only thing I can say is you look like you're afraid. Accept the fight and prove me wrong because everything else is already in your favor. Just give Usyk the benefit of the doubt of, let's say you do win and we do a rematch. Okay, fine. You get the majority because I got the majority of the first fight. It's not that difficult. Negotiations aren't hard. Yes, they're tedious. Yes, you had to work with personality, but they're not hard. It's you that's making this harder than it needs to be. And it's you that's ruining your own legacy. That's your fault. Absolutely your fault. Nobody else we can look to except for you as the reason why. This whole conversation, this whole wave of disappointment is happening. 
you want to represent boxing? Well, you're doing it a disservice. That's all we can say. Fury ducked Usyk. And until he actually makes the fight happen, until Fury makes the fight happen, not Usyk, because Usyk was making the fight happen, until Fury makes the fight happen, we stand, I'm going to stand on, he's ducking Alexander Usyk. And he's not as confident as he supposedly is that he can actually beat him. That's what I'm going to stand on. That's all I can stand on. Because that's all we've seen from Tyson Fury. This idiotic, stupid mess that he's trying to pull. Trying to act like the big dog. Nah. You are a big dog. So is Usyk. Negotiate like that. And make this happen so you can shut everybody up who thinks that you can be beat. If you're so confident in yourself. It's a crying shame, I tell you. It's a crying shame. But now, for the final talk of this whole event, or excuse me, the final bit of news for this whole affair, and another big blow to the world of boxing, Naya Inouye has been injured in his lead-up to fighting Stephen Fulton and is now on, essentially on the injured list. They postponed the fight, and it's not happening, at least not yet, which is incredibly frustrating. However, while it is incredibly frustrating, it's not bad, because it ain't Fury and Usyk, thank goodness. But on top of that, this could actually be in favor of Noya anyway with this injury. Why do I say that? Well, think about it this way. With Noya anyway moving up to 122, it's always a task to get acclimated to a new division. Regardless of how comfortable you think you are. With Noya anyway moving up to 122, it's too super banterweight. So quickly after being undisputed champion at banterweight. This could be an opportunity for him to not only get fully acclimated in terms of comfortable with the weight, but fully, if he did lose any speed, adjust and gain that speed back. I'm not saying it's likely. I'm not saying he has. But I'm saying is that longer opportunity to get comfortable at a higher weight, get comfortable with training, get comfortable with cardio, all of that can make it so that it's more advantageous for the Oyun weight when the fight actually does happen, which is slated to be or rumors are slated to be later on this summer. Still happening this year. This could be legitimately a great thing for Noah anyway. Well, again, one of my concerns was moving up. Can he withstand the power? Can he withstand his own cardio? Can he be, can, will he lose anything? These are legitimate, valid concerns. And this could be the point that alleviates it all. Gives him more time to put on the weight the right way and get acclimated to the weight the right way and allow for himself once the fight actually comes to be not just in peak form potentially in the best one that we've ever seen because understand this what you have to get yes it's only two pounds 120 to 122 i understand that however we know people take on body mass differently it affects them differently even if it's a minute change, we still see if done wrong, 
it can be detrimental to the progress and the ability of a fighter. So the question is now, how do you manage doing it correctly so that even if it's only a minute up in weight, it won't negatively affect what they do in terms of their output as a fighter, their output as a boxer. It would know anyway. Yes, I believe you won't have a problem fighting at 122. Absolutely, no doubt about it. However, that still doesn't change the fact that what I said in my preview of this fight, which, by the way, you can go check out right here on the Welch Report channel. Absolutely, go back and see that episode. Incredible breakdown, bunch of feedback. You should go and join in on the feedback. It was in, it was phenomenal. Oh, it was phenomenal. But <laughs> ah, shameless plug. But irregardless, irregardless, what you have to see, even with it's only being a small upping in weight, relatively, in the grand scheme of things. For Noya, anyway, it may not be the case. And when you have more time to get adjusted and to put, not only just to put on the weight the right way, but get, to get adjusted to said weight and be more comfortable just in your average everyday moving around, it does have a legitimate effect on the outcome of a fight. It can. It's a wholehearted possibility. And because of that, this could be exactly what Noya, anyway, needed. Now that he's comfortable, I'm assuming, now that he'll be comfortable once he goes and moves up to 122 with this elongated time between the fight or between his recovery and the fight, with them being able to just walk around at that weight, with them being able to be used to what it feels like to be a super bantamweight, living as a super bantamweight, this will be great. On top of the fact that he's also, I'm assuming, he's training with people that are bigger than him. I'm assuming. I'm assuming his training partners are people that are either, A, similar to a fight style of Stephen Fulton, which is, again, as he should, or B, people that are bigger than Stephen Fulton within the weight class super bantamweight, or even sparring with people that are even above the weight class. So you can get used to taking hits from bigger men. Taking hits from bigger opponents. Taking hits from bigger opposition. So that you're used to what it's like. If you get tagged, you won't just get put out and done away with. No. And all of that requires time. And this is exactly the time that he's allotted because of the injuries. This could be a blessing in disguise. Again, it's all speculative. Absolutely. I'm not saying anything's concrete. But I am saying this is a legitimate potential. That you need to have. That you need to look at. That you need to watch for. With this fight. Will this give Noya anyway. More confidence. To be able to walk into this fight. And say yeah I'm the man. Because of the fact that now he. Ex he knows what to expect. Due to him being. At that weight. Longer. Being used to taking the hits of. Somebody at that weight. More being more used to having the life of a super bantamweight encapsulated around him. No longer is it, oh, I'm moving up to a new frontier. No, this is my frontier now, for instance. Not a visitor in, the, in, a, in a new house. This is my house. I'm not visiting 122. I am 122. 
Some people, when they go up and move up in weight, they're visiting. Initially, they're just visitors. They don't know what it's like to live there. However, with this elongated camp due to him, the injury, I can't remember if it's hand or otherwise, but due to injury, it can be a situation where now, at the same point in the fight, where it would have been that he's just visiting initially at Super Bantamweight. Now it could be a situation once he walks into the ring, he's thinking, okay, my home is Super Bantamweight. I live at Super Bantamweight. Instead of just saying, well, I'm trying to fight at this weight class. No, I am at this weight class fighting. There's two different things. There, there are two different forms of thinking. There are two different mentalities that you take with this. And if he goes into the one where he's no longer saying, I'm fighting or, or I'm trying to fight at this, or I'm looking to make a splash in this, no. Instead, I'm, I'm firmly in the pool of whatever this weight class is. I'm comfortable in the home of 122. All that can happen with this elongated amount of time. So it can, hey, have an effect on the fight. And I hope it doesn't get postponed any further. I hope the recovery of the of the injury, one, recovers correctly, and two, isn't too far gone so that we got to push it back even further. Because I would love to see this fight happen this year, especially with, like we said, with Tyson Fury and that whole debacle that he messed up with the undisputed heavyweight championship. We don't need any more fights. Potentially going by the wayside. We can't afford it. We had everything lined up. We can't afford as boxing fans to have something take away what would have been one of the biggest years for boxing and the year that might have solidified boxing as being back in the public eye. Not just in Europe, not just overseas, but here in the States. Still can have that happen. No doubt about it. Still can have that happen. With Debra Haney and Lomachenko when they fight. Whenever they fight this year. With Javante Davis and Tank. Or excuse me. With Javante Davis and Ryan Garcia. With Caleb Plant and David Benavidez. Happening this weekend I believe. It can still happen. Don't get it twisted. But. Even with that it can still be possible that all this can go right. Nothing is solid in boxing. It's one thing I hate about this. Nothing is concrete in boxing. Anything can happen, whether it's injury or otherwise. Anything can happen and cause a fight to go kaput. No more. We just lost one of the biggest fights in the world of Usyk and Fury. We can't afford to lose another one. As boxing fans, we cannot afford to lose another one. Hopefully that doesn't happen. But I am on pins and needles right now. <laughs> talking about this whole situation. I Oh gosh, I can't afford to have another fight go awry. I don't want to be speculative. Right now we're on the cusp of having everybody wanting to fight everybody. We're on the cusp of that happening. Shorter wait times of people looking to fight who they want to fight. Or, or for fans looking to see the matches that we want to see. We're so close 
to having that potentially be a reality. But we're so far away because at any point in time, something can come across our window, come across our screens, and boom, everything that we've been hyping up for just goes to pot and goes awry. Hopefully that doesn't happen in the future. Hopefully the talks with Usyk and Fury ramp back up and they actually come to an agreement and Fury actually becomes civil. But if not, trust and believe we'll be right here talking about everything, not just in the boxing, combat, sports world, but beyond as well. Keep you updated on all the news and give you my opinions on all the But this has been another episode of Watch Your Boy. Yes, sir. I am so happy to be back with you again for this show. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. We got so much more to cover in the greater scheme of the sports world. I'm still covering the NFL. Don't get twisted. I'm not pushing it back. It's just we've just had a bunch of stuff happening. And I had to uh, I had to talk about this. We're going to still talk about the NFL. We're going to talk about the NBA as the playoffs ramp up. Title odds for each team. What is actually going to happen with the Lakers? Are the Warriors still in contention? Are they going to fall by the wayside? All that and more. Oh, as well as MVP rates that it keeps on fluctuating and the arguments with all that. All that and more we're going to talk about right here on the World Report. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. Give me my beautiful viewers and listeners. Peace and love. We are out of here. <laughs>